Welcome to Coffee with the Snows, where we talk about everything from the Bible to current events, but always flavored with high-octane caffeine and biblical thoughts. I'm your host, Art Snow, along with my co-host and beautiful wife, Sharon Snow. So here we are today, Sharon, drinking some coffee, having some conversation. I can't think of a better place I'd rather be than right here with you, looking at how beautiful you are and sipping some hot coffee. Unless it would be in Bali. You know what? I didn't think about that. Bali would be really my number one choice, but right here in New Jersey would have to be my second choice. (laughs) Okay, we'll go with that. Okay. So, Sharon, you are my co-pastor and I'm your co-pastor. We pastored this deal together. We've spent our entire life co-pastoring together. Now, for some people, that's a foreign idea. They can't understand where you could have two people who share a senior pastorate. So today, we're going to to break that down for them, right? Now, so for some people, it's like, oh, natural as can be. That's what we do. Other people, not so much. So we're going to talk about who we are, our gift set, what we're good at, what we're not so good at, and how we share that responsibility within the ministry of any given church. So this is our fifth church we've pastored together. And in all those situations, and all those locations, we've just done this. We've moved in. It's like a perfect uh, dance. It's like we're moving in, in rhythm with one another because we, number one, we know each other that well, and we give each other space to be the best that they can be in their given gift set. Yes, I think that the most important thing in a co-pastorate is there, there can be no competition. Ah, yeah. Each person in the the co-pastoring team, and traditionally that's a husband and a wife who co-pastor together, although uh, our first church, you actually co-pastored with another man. That's right. Uh, You know, I I did not play a role in that church uh, just because of the nature of how that church was. That's another episode completely. (laughs) That's a a completely different episode. Uh, But when, when there's... When there's uh, the assurance of knowing who you are in Christ and a comfortableness with both your gifts, your strengths, uh, that's three, that's not both, but your gifts, your strengths, and your weaknesses, then that comfortableness allows the other person to support you or cover you. And absent of competition, you truly can co-pastor. I remember hearing someone say uh, that you no one could co-pastoring could never happen because it's just a two-headed monster, and I I think that's true. I think some co-pastor teams are two-headed monsters because there's a fight for who's going to be the boss, who's going to be the lead, and that's that's really unfortunate. And I don't think that models. Christianity. I don't think that models body life. I don't think that models anything positive, whether you're co-pastoring or not. You just cannot be in competition or at odds with anybody that you're leading with. Right. So um, eventually I want to talk about headship because some people I know are concerned about headship, right? Um, and how we co-pastor together and how we submit one to another, and yet there's still headship involved. We'll get to that in just a minute. But I want to talk about what I'm really good at and what I'm really not good at. I could, if I had to, I could balance a checkbook. It would take me a very 
long time. I would have to go through a case and a half of coffee and maybe something stronger to get myself through it. I'm but thinking a <laughs> ream and a half of paper too. <laughs> yeah, probably, right? <laughs> but for you, uh, numbers kind of dance for you. So that's something you're really good at. Let's just talk about how we, how we, what I call division of labor. I love numbers because numbers always perform the same. Unlike people. (laughs) Numbers are so consistent. Um, I am good at, with numbers, I'm good administratively. I can, uh, I have a very distinct ability to see chaos and bring order to it. So I can look at something that's just a mess and, and just instinctively, not instinctively, but spirit led Lee, I can see how to bring order to that thing. And, and I can do that. That's not something that you do well. Uh, you do preaching, you do vision casting, you do all kinds of things. I can put the skin on your framework of vision. I can do that. And together we have this amazing, uh, it's, it's like a spiritual Tango. I think yeah. a tango is the I most like intimate yeah. dance that you can do, and the the pieces are very intricate, and each party has to do their part for the tango to really work well. And so I see us functioning uh, in like this amazing spiritual tango where we each know our roles, and I know when to fall back. Because I know you'll catch me. I don't ever have to worry about falling on the floor. I know when to spin. I know when to dip. I know when to move forward, when to move back. Because there's just this amazing uh, nonverbal communication between the two of us. Yeah, that's good. I think about when we're in a meeting, for instance. I love to cast vision. And I love all the big picture stuff. But when it comes to the small details, I get lost in fact, sometimes you and another staff member will get so involved in details, I just honestly just kind of check out. I just emotionally, I'm gone, man. You know, it's just, it kills me. I love that glazed look in your eyes <laughs> when we say, we're going to need four yards of whatever for this. And I just watch you glaze over and go into blues land as you do lyrics in your head of old R&B songs. So true. Uh, but I love the big picture. And I'm really good at casting that big picture and painting the picture for you. It's like I get this whole thing going on and all the, the infrastructure is there. And then you come along with other staff members sometimes and you put the intricate detail on it. So again, it is how we move together back and forth. And I love that about our relationship. I want to talk about how we preach together. I have had the opportunity over a lifetime of preaching to, act, to, to actually co-preach with a couple of different people, but it's never like preaching with you. Explain how that process works with us. Well, I think it's just another uh, verse of the same dance. There's a, a oneness between us in part, in large part, because there's no competition between us. I had to learn very early on that I am not a walking concordance. You are, you, you know, where every verse is found and I know it's there, but don't ask me the address. And I, I just, I don't, 
I stopped trying to compete with you probably 35 years ago. I just don't compete. It's just not what God has done through me. So I don't have to be better than you to be recognized. I don't have to be be the same as you. I can just relax. And so because of the oneness between us and because of the lack of competition or me feeling like I have to exercise authority or you know whatever, it, it, there's just this natural thing that can flow. Plus we've been together for so long, 45 years, we've been together either dating or married. And so we, we can finish, finish each other's sentences. And I kind of automatically know where you're going to go with a topic. And I know what you're not going to cover. So I can step in and cover that and, and you know what I'm not going to, you know, where I'm not going to go. So you can go there and we can kind of guide each other through this amazing time of delivering the word together. Uh, there are so many things I really want to talk about right now, but I, what I think about when you just said that, I'm thinking about young couples who don't have the longevity, who don't have the years together, and how we could help them in this episode kind of find their way through co-pastoring if that's their choice, and they don't know each other as well as we do. So maybe learning each other's gift set might be a good place to start. I would think that would be number one. The, the number one place to start would be to learn to, to learn to know what your partner does really well and then don't step on that, you know, function in your own lane, so to speak. Function in your own lane. Let, let that person do that. Uh, especially from a woman's perspective, if your husband does something really well, then let him do that. And you come alongside and be complimentary to that rather than competitive in that. Also, I think that there has to be this um, acknowledgement of delegated authority. Yeah, yes. I think I'm a very strong woman. I and I make no apologies for that. It's who God made me. And I spent uh, quite a few years trying to be what other men thought I should be. And I finally realized that I'm not married to them. And I'm not, I, I have no responsibility to them other than to love them because it's my biblical responsibility. And so they couldn't tell me who to be. And I had only to please you. So as a young couple, you need to learn what your spouse, what pleases your spouse about you, both, you know, spiritually, what they recognize and, and those kind of things. And then if a man is married to a strong woman, if he doesn't want her to compete with him, then he has to release her in the, in the, the God-given authority and gifts that, that she has by his, by God's design. And as he releases her and supports her in that and delegates that authority to her, then she doesn't have to reach up and grab it, or she doesn't have to reach out and and take it because it's there for her. And she's both covered and supported in her, in her God-given function, whatever that looks like for that particular couple. Yeah. In fact, I would, I would like to say that nothing pleases me more than to watch you work. I love to watch you do what you do because it, it, I, I derive great pleasure from that to see you functioning fully, 100% in your gift. 
And then oftentimes, you know, as we lived our lives together, I've watched you grow in certain things and you, you've watched me grow in certain things. And the, the, the great pleasure of long-term marriages, right? You get a chance to watch each other grow and you never, never, never throw each other under the bus, never. right? You're always never. covering one another all the time. Never. Not at the expense of transparency. No. Because th- there are times when transparency has to be there with our staff or, mm-hmm. with, you know, it's, so it's, it's never a lack of transparency or, or a hiding of a flaw. But there's a difference between transparency and throwing your spouse under the bus or throwing anybody under the bus, really. Um, I think that when there's... When there's no competition, I just think that's the key. Yeah, it is, totally. There just can't be competition. But the other thing that I think we do for each other, and I don't always appreciate that, this at at all. In fact, I'm in a season now where I'm not really appreciating it too much. But we hold each other accountable to a standard. And uh, I'm I'm often uh, overheard by the little, you know, little people that are coming or going underneath our bed in the dust (laughs) that, um, you know, I'm often overheard to say to you, well, Art, that doesn't really look a lot like Jesus, or I really don't think you want to develop that attitude. What's that going to look like 10 years from now? Or how's that going to play out? And you don't like it when I say that to you. But on the other hand, uh, I don't like it when you challenge me in those areas either. But it keeps us on track. It keeps us on target and it keeps us pursuing a consistent life of daily sanctification and being transformed into the image of Christ. And I don't like the fact that you never give me a pass. And I'm sure you don't like the fact that I never give you a pass because some days I want a pass, don't you? <laughs> I do. Yeah. but I'll take one today. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not getting one. Because to give you a pass would be to love you less. It, it would be to love you less. And I, I equate that with sympathy as opposed to empathy. And my empathy for you drives me to let you be the most transformed into the image of Jesus on the day you die as possible. Uh, let me tell you about the wrestling match that goes on sometimes in my head uh, when you correct, bring correction like that. Um, there's something called the male ego that rises up. Oh, really? Yeah. I, so true. Wow. <laughs> I know you. Wow. I unaware never, of that totally. Yeah, but, totally. Uh, and the other part of that is dying to, dying to myself and becoming alive to Christ. So at those moments, I have to make a choice. You have to make a choice either to wallow in a male ego that says, no, I've got to be right, or saying, no, you know what? I want to die to myself and let Jesus come to the forefront of everything I am, everything I think, everything I do, my behaviors, my actions, my reactions. And I know that you're part of the plan, God's plan in my life to bring me to that sense of maturity. And I'm the the part of God's plan in your life to bring you to the place of maturity. And once we embrace that with each other and really come to grips with that, then we're willing to hear anything the other person has to say to us. That's exactly true. I think for me, ego, it's not that I don't have pride or ego because I think that's, that's um, inherent in, in all flesh. But for me, because I tend to be a perfectionist, 
you bringing correction to me uh, sometimes can have like huge amounts of guilt rise up in me that I should have seen it before you had to tell me. And for me, the struggle is not hearing the correction. The struggle is just saying, okay, so you didn't see it, forget it, just correct it. You, you know what I mean? And I, I think that learning how to approach your spouse in that accountability is also something that young couples, you just have to practice, you know, you, ju you just have to practice and you have to be willing to ask forgiveness if you do it wrong. And uh, we kind of have that thing we say to each other where we say, I'm probably not going to say this right, mm -hmm. right, but let me say it and we'll fix the words later. And that kind of takes all the tension out of the air. So we can say a hard thing to the other person, uh, maybe with a little emotion or whatever, and then we can just kind of fix the words. But we're it, what it does is it immediately puts the other person off the defense because they know you're not going to say it right. So they're not going to hold you accountable for the word you use. They're going to listen deeper and hear your heart. I think probably my last thought would be perspective. Because we are a man and woman, we bring a different perspective to leadership. And uh, as, as mature as we become, I am always going to be a mature man and you're always going to be a mature woman. And because our, we are different genders, we see things differently. Our mind will work differently. We think differently. And that's the beauty of God. The beauty of God puts a man and a woman together, not just in marriage, but also in leadership, enables them to think differently. It's like the old adage, if I hold a ball up before you say, what color is the ball? And you say white. Well, that's only partially true. Because if I turn the ball around, it's black on one side, white on the other. Right. That's the beauty. We bring both of those to leadership. And it's what I love. I love in a counseling session where if we're counseling another couple uh, through a marriage difficulty or pre-marriage counseling, you bring a, a woman's perspective. I bring a man's perspective and it's holistic in the approach of leadership. And therein also lies a little bit of the the um, conversation about headship, because I consider myself a co-senior pastor, but I also consider myself as one who leads from the second chair. Because uh, even though I'm a woman and though I believe that women have all the gifts and callings and uh, and abilities from God that a man has, I I do believe in headship. And I when push comes to shove, you're you're gonna have the final say. And if we disagree and we cannot come to an agreement through prayer, then your decision is going to hold and I'm going to support that. And I think that that also has to be something that couples come to, you know, there, there has to be an agreement on some level of headship uh, and without competition, see, then there's no, there's no stress about who's the head or who has the better idea. Uh, that's so good. I think we could probably do another whole episode on this topic. There's so much to cover, right? Part two. Part two. <laughs> but for today, my coffee cup is certainly empty. And that's my cue to close this broadcast for today. Until we meet again, keep your coffee strong and your walk with God stronger. Stronger.